We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Ross, happy Monday to you, sir. We went into the weekend asking folks which game they were most looking forward to watching. Which game did you enjoy watching the most looking back on it, given the fact that you were in the booth for one, Baltimore and Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, it clearly to me, Dave, was not either one of the Saturday night, uh, Saturday games. Um, and funny story, you know, I'm at the AFCA, the American Football Coaches Association Convention in Nashville at the Gaylord Opryland Hotel. So, Dave, my, you know, I'm in Baltimore. I do the game Saturday night, and then I get on a direct flight Sunday morning from Baltimore to Nashville. So the entire plane was either Titans fans or college football coaches. But it was mainly Titans fans that had gone to the game the night before. And I would say about every two minutes, one of them would say, tighten up. And then you'd hear like like crickets around the whole plane. Tighten up, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up, <laughs> tighten up, tighten up. I didn't even know that was a thing. But evidently, one guy says tighten up. Everybody else says tighten up. That was the whole plane ride, dude. Like, a guy would be sitting there, like, scrolling on his phone. He'd say, tighten up. And he'd be like, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up. I I didn't even know that that was a thing. Now I do, I guess. Um, So that was funny. Go ahead. (laughs) Is that better or worse than when the pilot continually chimes in with, like, a fucking weather update? Or we might have some... Some uh, turbulence, or and you're just like, shut up, pilot. Which is more annoying? Um, probably the pilot, actually, because at least these people are celebrating something. I think what's even worse is the flight attendant uh, who talks on and on and on. I often oh. am in, when I'm in the when I'm in the uh, in the airport, Dave. I'm trying to get stuff done. You know, like I'm on my computer. Then we board. So I usually am one of the first to board. That's usually when I make a phone call, like my mom or wife. So once I get on the plane and sit down, you know, it's 20 minutes. So everybody else boards and put their bags up. So I called my wife Sunday morning and the flight attendant would not shut up. She would not stop talking about, uh, please move quickly. Please put your bag up through the aisle. I mean, it was, it, it made it impossible to have a conversation with my wife, which was frustrating, but I guess that's what I get for not just having a conversation with her in the airport. Like a normal person, I want to be on my computer getting stuff done while I'm in the airport. I don't want to talk to her until I'm on the plane and have to put my bag away. So at any rate, um, very annoying. I would say, Dave, I think you got to go with the Texans and the Chiefs. And I I think you can make a compelling argument for the Packers-Seahawks game. The only one-score game came down to the end. It was a stark contrast from a week ago, wildcard weekend. But the only one-score game, and honestly, Dave, I think, and here's a good question. Out of all the guys we saw this weekend, 
would you most be willing to pay money for? The answer for me is Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson is incredible. Patrick Mahomes made some really impressive plays, but it's Russell Wilson. I mean, that that guy is on another level in my mind, and it's crazy. Even when the score is 21-3, I think with Russell more than anybody else, I think this isn't over yet. Um, so I think it's close between Texans, Chiefs, Packers, Seahawks. I'll probably go Texans, Chiefs just because of how historic that comeback was. But Packers, Seahawks is pretty cool too, especially coming down to the end and the clutch throws by Rodgers to both Devontae Adams as well mm. as Jimmy Graham. I would uh, definitely go with Houston in this contest. Houston and Kansas City because of the fact, as I mentioned in the open, it's 100 years of the NFL. And when we see something we've never seen before, it's just remarkable. It's astounding. It's unbelievable. It's hard to even grasp on a Monday that a team led an NFL football game 24 to nothing in the first quarter and didn't lose the game, didn't just lose the game, they trailed at halftime. And that, folks, has never happened in NFL history that someone led by 24 in the first quarter trailed at halftime. You've also had never had a team trail by 20-plus points and then lose by 20 points. It is hard to fathom what happened. But to me... The biggest play of the game, and it's not to say that Houston would have won the game if they didn't make the strange call, but I think the biggest play of the game, 24-0 Houston, after they come out firing on all cylinders, get some broken coverages, get some big special teams play with the block punt for a touchdown. Look, everything went their way. Drop passes from Kansas City. The muffed punt by Tyreek Hill. Everything had to go Houston's way to get that 24 to nothing lead. But your own fucking 31 yard line up 24 to nothing. And the most astounding part about this is the wizard of the broadcast booth. Tony Romo said immediately he loved the play call that Bill O'Brien made the fake punt on fourth from the 31. I thought it was inexplicable and would leave me if only they had a general manager to wonder if we need a new head coach was that to you the biggest play of the game and how do you explain that call if you're bill o'brien well it was the biggest play of the game Uh, i don't think there's any question about it a lot of people have also focused on his decision to kick the field goal when they were up 21 nothing they had all the momentum it was fourth and inches and he kicked the field goal there to go up 24-0. I got to tell you, Dave, I don't hate either call. What I hate is people that just crush calls after they have access to the results. In other words, if they get that fake punt, everybody is saying that is an unbelievable gutsy call by Bill O'Brien Never would have seen that coming. Wow. This guy is all in if he had gotten it. But he didn't get Mm. it. So then everybody's critical of it. And I would say similarly, I thought they should have gone for it on fourth and inches. 
I would have kept pushing the pedal to the metal. But I also understand, Dave, the thought process of we've got all the momentum. We are kicking their ass right now. I don't want to give them a chance to get the momentum back or have the tide swing their way by letting them stuff us. I thought the Titans stuffing the Ravens twice on fourth and one let a whole lot out of the sails of the Ravens and that whole stadium and really invigorated the Titans. And I think Bill O'Brien probably watched that the night before and said, no, I'm not doing that. Like, 21 nothing's nice, but 24 nothing. Then they either need to get four scores or three touchdowns, three two-point conversions. I'm getting up 24 nothing. I'm getting up another score. That could be the difference late, and I'm not letting them get the momentum. I've been very critical of Bill O'Brien. I thought the worst thing he did the whole game, Dave, which was comical, was when there was like eight minutes left, they were losing – 48 to 31 and it was fourth and like three and he was going to punt it from midfield he was going to punt it and Deshaun Watson comes over and he's like coach they they, and this is just my Deshaun Watson impersonation coach they've kind of scored a touchdown seven straight possessions maybe we should go for this here And then Bill O'Brien has to use a valuable timeout at that point, Dave. And then they go for it. His instinct was to punt it there. They had scored seven straight touchdowns. Like that, to me, if we're ranking the Bill O'Brien miscues, not knowing right away that you punt that, Dave, that's bigger than the other two that you mentioned in my mind. Fair enough. Uh, in order, uh, the field goal to go up 24, didn't mind that at all. In the moment, I, I actually thought if I'm head coaching there, frankly, I'm taking the field goal. Now, I don't understand why after the game, Bill O'Brien said, I didn't have a play call I liked there. I, I don't really like that explanation because my instinct, and you use the right word and it's instinct, and that's what I'm looking for in a head coach. My instinct was Hey, man, I'm putting up that field goal. I love 24 to nothing because if I get stuffed on fourth down, my instinct was that could turn the momentum, whereas a field goal just helps it continue to roll your way. My instinct right away when I saw the fake punt. Now, I'm watching this game as I always do with the 12-year-old kid, and I loved it that the second They made the motion towards the fake play. My son says, what are you doing? He was furious. And that was before he made the tackle. Again, instinct. You hit on the key word. This is a 12-year-old kid whose instinct was, what the hell are you doing right before the tackle was made? That was my instinct too. Yes, I don't understand the instincts of Bill O'Brien. They seem to be off in just about every every crucial situation. And that's what has to have you concerned if you are the management. Yes. Well, and this is a good point, Dave. Okay. Because I'm going to let's walk through this for a second. I was okay with kicking the field goal on fourth and inches because. I think part of Bill O'Brien's logic may have been, let's not let them get the momentum, right? As we talked about, he saw the Ravens get stuffed twice on fourth and short. Let's get up 24 nothing. But if that's the case, Dave, doing the fake punt 
is the ultimate let the Chiefs get momentum. So the two seem incongruent, right? Like, yeah, if yeah, part of the yeah. reason why you kick the field goal is you don't want to let the Chiefs get any momentum or feel good on their side, then you sure as heck don't do the fake punt. Now, look, every every situation is individual. They clearly thought they really had it. That was a fantastic tackle by Sorensen. They were only like a yard and a half short. But I do think those two decisions, when you look at them isolated, they, they don't really make a whole lot of sense. They don't go hand in hand. Sorensen could be the MVP of this game if they didn't have the greatest player, the greatest quarterback in the NFL, threw for four touchdowns in the second quarter, five in the game. Patrick Mahomes, a mind-boggling performance. Before we get to Kansas City, let's fire up our radio.com. Red Zone Radio Sports Radio 610 in Houston has their reaction on a very frustrating weekend. Again, here are the two runs. 41 to 0, 41 answered points by the Chiefs, and 51 to 7. Here's reaction. Sports Radio 610 in Houston. And and you uh, unfortunately show the true colors of the team. You get outscored 51 uh, to 7 over the last three quarters of a football game, man. It's unacceptable. This was not a head coach who was going to pull you out of this nosedive. This was not a defense who could even stop a nosebleed. And. And I, I th- so I bring up that sequence because you had to keep your foot on the gas and keep them down and keep the crowd out of the game. You can't have a five minute window where you decide to be super conservative and not go for it on fourth and one. When you've been going for it on fourth and one all year long, kick a field goal against a team that you know you're going to need more than 24 points. Brother, you got to go for it on fourth and one to go get yourself 28. You can't make that decision and then five minutes later decide you're going to try a fake punt in your own end of the field. Yeah, I'd like to say the hard-working people in this town deserve something besides the same old story. It's just ridiculous. The only thing we're missing tonight is Gary Kubiak's sweaty head saying it was bad call play. Come on, guys. Let's do it. If they need somebody to get them riled up, I did not see one coach riling that team up on that sideline. It's embarrassing. We always lose leads, and everybody's always got an explanation why we lose the lead. Let's get it corrected. Man, I just feel like there's times where Deshaun Watson's operating with one arm behind his back. That's just how I feel. Maybe I'm being unfair, but that's absolutely how I feel. Deshaun Watson is just as good a talent as Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes is operating with a dude who is pushing all the right buttons, and I just I, I don't know that I feel the same way about Deshaun Watson. There's too many times. Uh, the Watson's been the one that bailed out O'Brien all throughout the season. On some of these games, it's been the talent, not the scheme. And I'm, I, I, it's, it's time for it to be the scheme to get the best out of this talent because this talent is just being wasted, man. Sports Radio 610 in Houston as we fire up our radio.com Red Zone. Ross, if you are the ownership what are you thinking this morning as you assess the loss? Is the career of Deshaun Watson going to be wasted if it continues along these lines? Well, if ownership really is able to take a 30,000-foot view of this thing, you are extremely concerned. And I'll tell you why, Dave. They have one pick in the first two rounds of the next two drafts. One pick? In the first two rounds, that should typically be four very good young players 
on rookie contracts that help your team tremendously because they're not a financial burden, but they can ball. They're only going to get the chance to get one of those four players. Not only that, they traded an exorbitant amount for Laramie Tunsil, who's a free agent now. They, they need to give him a new contract. Deshaun Watson needs a new contract, and that should obviously be priority one. And J.J. Watt, I don't know how much he has left. This feels to me like a team that is probably going to go the other direction. The only thing is I'm not sure Deshaun Watson will let him. I mean – It's a new world order, Dave, watching these quarterbacks. I don't know how Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, uh, Russell Wilson, those three in particular, I don't know how they make that that many dudes miss behind the line. I don't know. Do you know how fast NFL D linemen are? Like, those guys are trained killers. Those guys run like four fives, four sixes at the combine. And those three guys, Jackson – Deshaun and Russell Wilson, they consistently make them look bad. They, they make them look like it's high school. It's insane to me. Jackson, Wilson, Watson, all done. Patrick Mahomes, who is advancing. Uh, we talked about this earlier in the season, and I can't help but, but bring it back. If you have one quarterback for the next five years, is it Russell Wilson, who you knew would keep Seattle in this game, or Patrick Mahomes, who put on a display unlike anything we've ever seen? Again, four touchdowns in the second quarter, reminding me of one of my worst sports memories of all time because he tied Doug Williams, who fried the Broncos in the Super Bowl with four touchdowns as they shredded Denver. Would you still take Russell Wilson over Patrick Mahomes given what we saw unfold against the Texans and that incredible performance. Yep. I'm, I'm still team Russell wow. Wilson. Wow. Uh, so first of all, can you imagine Russell Wilson, that offense with Travis Kelsey, Andy Reed as his play caller, Tyree kill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman. I mean, forget it. And I love Mahomes, but I think Russell Wilson would, you know, the, the hashtag let Russ cook. I think Russ would really cook if he were in Kansas City's offense, number one. Number two, he's never missed a game, Dave. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has already missed however many he missed this year, three or four. That's not bad, but he missed three or four, and they lost a couple. And that's why they weren't going to be able to have home field advantage. They weren't even going to have a bye. Think about that for a second, okay? The Chiefs were gifted a bye by the Miami Dolphins beating the Patriots in week 17. Then the Chiefs were gifted a home AFC championship game by the Titans bashing the Ravens' brains in Saturday night. I mean, it could not have gone better for the Chiefs over the last three weeks. This is the best opportunity Andy Reid has had to go to the Super Bowl since 2004 in Philadelphia. They have got to win this game. They've got to get it done. We'll talk about it later in the week. This game is ginormous for Andy Reid's legacy. This should be their year. 
Our friends at WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia asking their listeners, are you rooting for Andy Reid, the former Eagles coach, to win a Super Bowl? Overwhelmingly, they are. 76% say yes. They are rooting for Andy Reid. Just about 4,000 people have already voted. I think most of the football world is hoping for Big Red to get his first Super Bowl uh, win here. There's a couple celebrations we have to get to before we move on from Kansas City. And let's get back to Sports Radio 610 only. This one in Kansas City as a caller had a very unique celebration. Um, a song to celebrate the Chiefs' victory on Saturday. Listen, Sunday. Let's go to Chester. Chester, what's up? Oh, deep down by 24 points. Oh, and they said the fire is in our hearts. They won't get us startled, but they get us started. At the end of it, we won by 20 points. After being down by 24 points, when somebody say possession, somebody say TD. Up to the one, the two, the three, the four, the five, the six. Record, record impact. Lord, we just started. When one coach said, we don't lose, but we run out of time. Uh, oh, let us see something new for this month, uh, because uh, if we don't see it, uh, <laughs> we can't say that we run out of time. Uh, we can't say we run out of records, uh, but when we come together and have together, uh, when we sing together, revive together, uh, we shall sing that song, uh, let no man take your crown. Uh, we didn't let ourselves down. Uh, we rise up. Uh, <laughs> Chester, you are my favorite caller of the football season. With all due respect to Eagles, surely that is an A-plus sports radio call celebrating the Chiefs' victory over Houston Sports Radio 610 there. That was impressive. Here's my question, Tucker. Was it better than Eric Fisher celebrating the Blake Bell touchdown in the end zone by Steve Austin, a couple of beers, showering them all over himself. By the way, that celebration was retweeted by Steve Austin himself, which ruled in the celebration category. Oh, gosh. Come on, bro. I mean, that was nice by Chester right there, but let's keep it real. Eric Fisher, that was amazing. He's a legend forever. Uh, the only problem was it was Bud Light. You know how I feel about that. Bud Light is good, though, to pour out on top of a helmet as opposed to really drinking. It is a good beer to just pour on top of a helmet as opposed to having to, having to consume it. What's funny about it is he's going to get fined for that, like Marcus Peters did. Like, he's probably going to get fined for that now at yep. this point, which is ridiculous, but he will. Uh, that was amazing by Fisher. And listening to Chester, he reminded me of coming to America, like the uh, Eddie Murphy as a preacher before Randy Watson takes the stage. Mr. Randy <laughs> Watson. But, but before Randy Watson gets up there and goes, sexual chocolate. Sexual chocolate, sexual chocolate. Before he gets up there, the preacher, who's Eddie Murphy, is unbelievable. 
I want you to feel it in your loins, everybody. And, and everybody in the in the crowds like this. I mean, that movie, I mean, honestly, first of all, I saw that movie way too early. Like, I saw that movie, I think, when I was like eight or nine. And man, I, I spent way too much of my adolescence thinking about your royal penis is cleaned, your highness. <laughs> I mean, best movie scene ever, maybe. I, I remember thinking, man, those guys have it. Those guys have the life. African princes, that's where it's at. Forget being an NFL player or NBA. African princes. Are you I, still waiting I, for your I, royal I, treatment? I tied my shoes once. It was a highly overrated experience. <laughs> so is is that how you'll mark ultimate achievement in life someday to get treated like the prince incoming to America? Yeah, I mean, I'm married and that's never going to happen. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, but maybe I can have somebody brush my teeth or, uh, or tie my shoelaces. Actually, you know what? I need to make enough money so that at some point somebody can tie my shoelaces because of my back. Tie my shoe paces, shoelaces is a royal pain in the ass for me. So it'd be nice if I could have a designated shoelace tire. That'd be sweet. Dude, that would be the ultimate. That's better than having a guy to carry the umbrella. If you had a guy to tie your damn shoes in the morning, yeah. I, I think you got to win the lottery to have that kind of FU money. Um, speaking of FU, what are you thinking if you are that fan who just had two $9, $12 beers poured out all over Eric Fisher? We got to find that fan. We need to welcome that fan onto the program here at Home and Home because we are all about the fans here on this show. We've got to find them. Um, what did Eric Fisher say about that? He said, quote, to uh, Lindsey Jones of The Athletic, you can never put a nice, cold, refreshing, smooth Bud Light in front of an offensive lineman and not expect him to enjoy it, you know? Ross Tucker, Eric Fisher can appreciate a nice, cold, refreshing, smooth Bud Light. Why can't you? So, because he is trying to get an endorsement there, probably, that would be my guess. <laughs> I don't believe that that's what he actually drinks. I think he's going to end up getting a sponsorship deal out of this. I do think it's funny. Like, I think initially, okay, picture you're that fan, Dave, okay? Yep. Initially, yep. Chiefs score a touchdown. They're right there in front of you. And it's like, yeah, we scored. We're going to win. Eric Fisher comes over. Grabs your beers, smashes them, pours them. Away. You're like, ah! I think that's awesome. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. 
You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What do you do this morning if you are the Baltimore Ravens and you put on a show like we've never seen before throughout the entire regular season? Lamar Jackson doing things nobody could stop, nobody could figure out. And then it ends with another disappointing loss in the postseason. We've got some reaction. Uh, this morning as we get back to our radio.com red zone baltimore sports radio 105.7 trying to figure out what to make of this season ends in such disappointing fashion listen first of all i just want to say thank you lamar jackson for a wonderful year um he did his best now i'm not mad at him it was coaching um but at the end of the day i'm not that that hurt because I know we have Eric DaCosta, and I love him, and he's aggressive. And he's, he's gotten rid of most of Ozzy's garbage players, and he's starting to bring in better pieces. I would be lamenting this loss more uh, and the season if I had not seen Lamar Jackson take strides as a passer, but I absolutely did. I'm very encouraged to see the progress he made as a passer and a pocket passer from year one to year two, so I'm very happy about that. Lamar Jackson uh, is going to win the MVP of the league. He already can read defenses. He's going to work his tail off next offseason or this offseason like he did last one. The the scariest thing about Lamar Jackson is we have not seen peak Lamar Jackson yet. It's a disappointing season, but it was a very exciting season, and I'm very thankful that, you know, for 20 years of waiting for a scary Ravens offense, it's here. It's officially here. And I think they're definitely on the right track. So good things are, are on the horizon. I mean, for year two to go this far and, and do what we did this season, I think is absolutely insane. And you couldn't ask for more. It's a disappointing loss today, and it's going to sting. It's going to take a while to get over it. But, man, I'm really excited for, you know, the upcoming seasons here as a Ravens fan. The past couple years have been extremely tough watching Joe Flacco, Nickel, and Dimas all the way down the field. And I cannot wait for next year. This wasn't our year. We're a draft and a free agent period away. Take away from this. Continue trucking away. And I can't wait for next year as much as this sucks. This is the most fun that I can say this fan base has ever had watching football. And we can't take that for granted. Radio.com Red Zone continues with 105.7 in Baltimore. Ross, that is some positivity. Grass is greener. Positive folks. That is not Philly, Boston. That is not New York. That is not what we're used to after a devastating loss like that. I guess if you do look at it, the Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow, is actually older than Lamar Jackson. Still a lot of development to, to go in his career. John Elway started rough. Peyton Manning started rough in his postseason career. So I, I am surprised, though, at that type of positivity. Are you, and how do they pick up the pieces as an organization? Yeah, I mean, I am kind of surprised by that uh, because I didn't realize Baltimore was the bastion of positivity like that. That is not how it would be in Philadelphia and Boston for sure, and probably not New York. And I gotta be honest with you, I I respect and appreciate the positivity, but you know how hard it is to go 14 and two? You know how hard it is to get the number one seed? That's the first time the Ravens had ever done that. I mean, they had a truly unique opportunity. 
it is hard to get to conference championship games, to get to the Super Bowl, to win it really, really hard. And they had a golden chance. They just had to beat a sixth seed at home and then beat the Chiefs, and they were going to the Super Bowl at home, and they weren't able to get it done. So kudos to those people, I suppose, for having such an optimistic, positive outlook. But I got to tell you, Dave, I, I would probably lean more towards Philly or Boston fans in the sense that they missed out on a golden opportunity. They were very healthy this year. You don't know what kind of injuries they'll suffer. Just given his yeah. style of play, it's hard to imagine Lamar Jackson staying healthy every year. They didn't really lose very many. I mean, they lost their starting center, Matt Skura. That's it. They had yeah. everybody else, Dave. Everybody, they were healthy. Before you know it, Lamar will need a new deal. Matthew Judon, their only pass rusher, he's a free agent. Nothing stays the same in the NFL. This isn't the 80s. This isn't, you know, the way it used to be. Nothing stays the same. They will never have the exact same team. And I'll go on the record right now, Dave, and say they'll never be 14-2 and two again. You know why? Because now defensive coordinators are going to spend the entire offseason talking to college defensive coordinators and coming up with better strategies for Lamar Jackson. I still think the Ravens will be good. I still think they'll have success. But this was their best and most golden opportunity, and they let it slip. Let's talk to Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans, WGFX 104.5 The Zone. Mike, great to talk to you. It seemed like the Tennessee Titans had a quiet confidence that they knew they could win that ball game. Be honest with us. And it's Ross Tucker and Dave Briggs. Did you have confidence your team could go in there and win? Yes. And I did because I, I have had a chance to see ball clubs like this one before that start to believe that if they do what they do, they're going to have a great shot to win. And this ball club right now, they're not overconfident. They're not embracing the underdog role. They're, I mean, none of that. I mean, there's no great mantra. or They, they just think we're playing our best football. We're doing what we do, and if we continue doing what we do, we can play with and potentially beat anybody. Again, it's not cocky. It's not this in-your-face type of thing. It's just, it's Vrabel. It's, it's how Vrabel is about everything. It's how they went into New England. It's how they went into Baltimore. And it's how I think they'll go into Kansas City this week. Mike, good to see you, albeit briefly Saturday night. It's Ross Tucker. <laughs> yes. uh, that, that was awesome, obviously, Saturday night, although the Titans really messed with my travel schedule. I'll now be out in San Francisco flying six hours rather than being in Baltimore an hour from my house. So I'm not happy with my former teammate Mike Vrabel or former coach Arthur Smith right now, but I'm happy for you guys and happy for those players. You said you've been around teams like this when they start to believe. My question mm -hmm. is, when did you start to believe? Because it was only three weeks left in the regular season where they lost a game to the Texans that looked like it might knock them out. Then they lose to the Saints the next week after they had a lead. 
When did you really start to believe that this team could do something like this? I started to believe when they won at Indianapolis and beat Oakland in Oakland in back-to-back weeks. And it's funny because I told our group before the game in week 15 against the Texans, I said, listen, we win this game today. We haven't won anything. We lose this game. We haven't lost anything. Everything is still out there. And the Titans did not play well against the Texans, had a bad break at the goal line on what was a great play by Justin Reed that cost the Titans seven points and gave the Ravens, gave the Texans seven points in what was a big 14 point swing. So they, they lose that ball game, but you go away from it saying, okay, that was bad, but it's not the end of the world. And then they figure out during the course of the week and on Saturday before the game with the Saints that they have to win the last game of the year and that the Saints game doesn't matter in terms of the playoff standings. And so, Ross, the big moment there was the decision to sit Derrick Henry. That was a monumental decision for this ball club because this guy is so much more healthy than he would have been. And, and I think that's what's fueling this team's run right now is they have a much more healthy back. And, and obviously he's an unusual back because of his size. He runs very well in weather. He, he likes it cold. He, and I mean, all of this stuff factors into him really well. So I started to have belief back in early December. But it, it, it kind of continued to build. And even the losses didn't really knock them off track too much. All right, so Mike, and I know they're all responsible for the success of this team, but if you had to rank the importance over the course of, you know, the last 12 weeks, let's say, 10 weeks, since they were two and four, talk to me about Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and the offensive line. Rank those three in terms of greatest importance to the Titans during this stretch they've been on. You have to go with quarterback number one because quarterback play is the biggest thing that changed this offense. It has allowed Arthur Smith to do a variety of things. Now, Tannehill's only thrown 29 passes in the last two games, but he is certainly capable of doing more. And at the moment, even in these last two games where he has needed to make plays, he has made them. Uh, I would actually go with offensive line second. Because the offensive line was a mess coming out of camp due to Taylor Lewan's suspension, trying to get Roger Saffold inserted at the left guard position. The Lewan suspension really carried on into October based on the fact that he came back, had not had many training camp reps because they were trying to get Dennis Kelly ready to play left tackle. He was working his way back in, and it took that whole group, including the rookie right guard, Nate Davis, until the second half of the season to get going. And so Tannehill and the offensive line have both given Derrick Henry the chance to do what he has done, and then he has taken over from there. Uh, Derrick Henry's number one right now, but from the two and four to get to where it is at this moment, a lot of it came from the first two, giving Henry the opportunity. And then he's been phenomenal. Why is the hashtag 
take care of your chicken. Yes, hashtag take care of your chicken trending this morning on Twitter. And what does it have to do with this weekend's NFL game? It comes from Marshawn Lynch, who gave some interesting life advice after the Seahawks loss and what could be the final game of the Beast Mode career. I would think so, but Ross Tucker, look, a lot of people are laughing about that. Take care of your chicken. Um, I actually thought it was terrific advice, but I'm curious your thoughts as a former player yourself. Uh, well, you know, Marshawn obviously doesn't usually talk all that much. So anytime he speaks at all, I think you're kind of interested. Like, he doesn't usually want to talk. He doesn't usually have much to say. So what's he going to say? And I think a lot of people were eager to hear and listen to what he had to say. Um, I did like the advice of taking care of your body, taking care of your money, uh, your mentals. I think we know what he means there. The taking care of your chicken part, that's a unique one for me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know enough about that. Uh, take care of your chicken. I mean, he, he is talking about specifically, like, actual chicken, right? I think chicken is money. Chicken is bread, is cash, is money. But maybe I misinterpreted. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I, I thought, like, he meant chicken. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean, take care of your chicken? <laughs> I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I don't know. I got to Google that, I guess. Is that even on Google? Taking care of your chicken? That's interesting. Is that is that real? Is that is that like, have people been saying that, Dave? That that's what that means? You know, it is a good point. And I think that's the beauty of listening to Marshawn Lynch. You can always just listen to it and interpret it as you will. I had never before heard the phrase, take care of your chicken, but let's ask the young kids, the millennials produced for us. And one of the millennials, Jake says, chicken is money. So I think even though I'm old and not cool, I did interpret it correctly. And I actually heard a guy that's given some thought to the problematic careers um, guys he has known ha have had. Like they've made bad financial decisions. They haven't taken care of their noggin. They haven't thought about putting away enough money. They're buying crap like Antonio Brown is, uh, Lamborghinis and giant homes and not making the right financial decisions. He talked about how comforting it can be to walk away from the game and know that you don't have to worry financially. I really actually thought it was as deep and as philosophical as I've ever heard him. And he goes into the locker room after the game, not his locker room, the Packers locker room, to a jersey exchange with Aaron Rodgers, who he played with at Cal. They signed each other's jerseys. It's interesting. We laugh so much about Marshawn Lynch and the Skittles, but I think deep down, and Aaron Rodgers said he was the, one of the best teammates he's ever had. I think deep down, this is a pretty deep guy in Marshawn Lynch. Just a side we don't often, often discuss. Yeah, and you know what? It seems like all his teammates always love him. And he's done a lot of pretty savvy things off the field. He's done some great things in the community in Oakland. He's obviously made a bunch of money off the field with some of his different endorsements and commercials and stuff. So I think, uh, I think he's a real inspiration to the people in particular of Oakland, where he's from. And I think it's amazing. I, I cannot believe that I didn't realize chicken was money. Uh, I'm feeling real bad right now. You realize that. 
the millennials realize that? Uh, that might be a Twitter poll question at Ross Tucker NFL, at Dave Briggs TV, at RDC Home and Home. Probably doesn't speak real well of me that I did not know that taking care of your chicken was taking care of your money. I, I really just thought uh, that there was a huge affinity for chicken, which I do have. I just want to make sure that, that your chicken is prepared. <laughs> And and to be clear, I had never heard the phrase. That was just my interpretation as I heard Marshawn Lynch describing his advice. Ross Tucker's immediate thoughts clearly went to Chick-fil-A. So we understand. I mean, you love yourself some chicken. And, and we both love ourselves some Chick-fil-A just about more than anybody else. I did think Marshawn Lynch's presence in that game really was the difference maker between Seattle and Green Bay. And we'll get to Aaron Rodgers, but that lack of a running game really is the difference for Seattle down the stretch and in this game. Not having Chris Carson, not having Rashad Penny. If they had either of those players, let alone both, I think you might be looking at a clash of the Titans in the NFC, and I think they easily would have taken care of Green Bay, but that is a team that you're just sitting back and saying, what can Russell Wilson do? And he almost pulled this one off. If he had one more possession, you got a feeling that Wilson would have pulled it off. Marshawn Lynch gets 12 carries. Yes, he gets two touchdowns. He is cooked. But was it that lack of a running game that really spelled the end of the Seattle season? No, you know what, Dave? I'm going to go the other way on this. Ah. I, I think you can make an argument that Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer, and really I think Brian Schottenheimer is on some level doing Pete Carroll's bidding, I think that they stuck with the run too much. You know, their offensive line's not very good. Their running backs right now are not very good. And they didn't really get it going until they let Russ cook. In the second half, and my takeaway was let him let him play, let Russell Wilson do Russell Wilson things, and that if they hadn't tried to commit to the run so much, or they hadn't wasted those snaps by running it when instead they could be throwing it with Russell Wilson, that they would have won that way. That that was the biggest difference. I think it was trying to establish the run game hurt the Seahawks more than a lack of it. In Milwaukee, they're not talking about LaFleur, and they're not even talking about Aaron Rodgers, who was vintage, who was spectacular, dropping dimes in this game. They were talking a lot about Jimmy Graham, who clinched the win with the big catch, and a lot of argument on whether that was or was not a first down, which ultimately ended the game. You saw Pete Carroll furious at the end of the game. He did not agree with the spot. Let's get back to the radio.com red zone in Milwaukee, 105.7 The Fan. Down the stretch, when you needed the offense to soak up more of that clock, it was a little harder than maybe what it should have been. Yeah, we all as Packer fans had to sweat that one out. And I know some of you, the thought crossed my mind at one point that please don't choke, please don't choke, please don't choke, please don't do this again against Seattle, please, 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 please don't make this the Russell Wilson game. We are old one from the NFL, all the way back to the failed Mary man. We are old one. So I hope all, I hope all roads say that Jimmy Graham was short on that first down. I hope so. I'm glad. I'm glad ESPN put that out. Not only the Green Bay Packers, but all of us here in the state of Wisconsin, 
We're owed that victory last night from the Seattle Seahawks. When we were watching the game, we're looking at that first down marker because, again, they always say that the yellow line is unofficial, right? But we always believe that it is official because in this day and age, that's just how we watch football. And that's how we're looking at it on TV. We're not really looking up at the top of the camera to see where the actual first star marker is. We're looking at the yellow line. Andrew Brandt was the first one to show this. He put this out there. And if you look at the camera and you look at where the yellow line was, the yellow line was literally half a yard ahead of the first down marker. This shouldn't go down as like a fail Mary game. The the refereeing, the, the, that's not why the Seahawks lost this game last night. And even, again, even if he was short, it was going to be fourth and an inch. Pete Carroll's talking like they would have not only had the ball after that play, but would have won the game. None of that is is known. The Packers still would have had the football, and it would have been fourth and an inch, and they probably would have gone for it. And I'm going to assume that they would have got it. The Radio.com Red Zone continues, 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee, always available on the Radio.com app, and that's what we get here on Home and Home, a unique perspective from the home markets after a win, after a loss. We heard the positivity in Baltimore, and Ross, that's a real surprise to me in Milwaukee that they were even talking about the Jimmy Graham first down to end the game. I felt like Aaron Rodgers is the guy that we remember, is one of the greatest of all time, but no, that play didn't really strike me at the end of the game. I thought it was a first down. I thought the right call was made because Jimmy Graham's knees were not down, but they also liked the shot at Seattle. What do you make of that take there on 105.7? Well, I think a lot of people thought that Jimmy Graham was down short of the line to gain because of the yellow line, you know, because of where the television broadcast had the yellow line. And people were taking pictures of that and saying, look, he's short. What are you talking about? I think he got it. I think the yellow line was a decent amount off on that. But that was the controversy that there seemingly is often in the NFL. And after the game, Pete Carroll said, I thought he got it. So that just kind of feeds the controversy. So I'm not surprised that they're talking about it. But I do think Aaron Rodgers deserves a lot of credit. You know, we've talked about it. He's not talked about this season as being one of the elite quarterbacks. And it's almost like people have forgotten about him. He made a number of clutch throws last night, especially on that last drive. That throw to Devontae Adams was beautiful. And the one to Jimmy Graham, both of those, they needed that to clinch the win. He deserves a lot of credit. But again, Dave, you know the way sports talk radio is going to be. You're going to talk about the things that are more controversial. I mean, what are you going to say? Aaron made two awesome throws. Cool. There's not much of a debate (laughs) and dialogue to be had there. Don Munson is the play-by-play voice of the Clemson Tigers and joins us on the program. Don, great to have you on the show. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker here. I love how Dabo Sweeney can motivate his team, but this one, that Clemson playing LSU in New Orleans is like Rocky fighting Drago in Russia is the mother of all stretches. It is less than 600 miles from Clemson all the way to New Orleans. What did you make of that analogy in terms of the home field advantage? Well, uh, that was classic Debo Sweeney is what that, believe me, is. as long as I've been around him, it, it didn't shock me in the least to hear him say it. And, and maybe there is a little, little bit of truth. I mean, it's only, what, 55 miles from 
from LSU's home campus, and you know you you walk into New Orleans, and it's 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 definitely purple and gold. There's there's no doubt about that. And there'll there'll be about twenty thousand Clemson fans in the stadium, and there'll be probably about fifty thousand you know LSU fans in the stadium. So it'll it'll be a it'll definitely be field home field advantage for LSU. So Don, I want to take a little bit of a of a big picture approach about the Clemson program because I can remember. I guess it was 10 years ago at this point where Clemson always had a lot of talent, always had a lot of guys going to the NFL. I played with a bunch of Clemson guys, but Clemson was known as going eight and three, seven and four. They were known as having a lead and then blowing it. I mean, people use the term Clemsoning when a team would blow it or a talented team would lose to somebody that they shouldn't. What changed? Like, how did Dabo flip that? Why do they no longer Clemson anymore? Oh, because of William Christopher Sweeney. Uh, you know, I, I actually keep a Meineke Car Care Bowl tumbler in my office. 2010, uh, we go to Charlotte to play South Florida. A 6-6 six and six Clemson team goes to Charlotte to play South Florida and loses that game uh, to South Florida, loses that bowl game. And so finishes six and seven. But I will tell you this, Coach Sweeney walks into the media room and for the press conference afterwards and looked at the media and said, listen, I know that this, you know, this season, season did not go as we wanted to. It didn't end here the way that we wanted it to. But I have seen things in this, in this program and from these kids that make me believe that we are about to embark on the greatest decade in Clemson football history. Well, the greatest decade in Clemson football history was actually the 80s. They won 87 games throughout the 1980s. All right, that's, that's pretty good. But he eclipsed that two years ago. He, you know, he, he won 87 games, forget, you know, two years ago. But it's because of the vision. It's because of the belief. It's because of the culture uh, that, that Dabo Swinney has brought that's just changed everything. Talking to Don Munson, the play-by-play voice of the Clemson Tigers. Dabo Swinney certainly has changed the culture and love the the constant chip on his shoulder that he brings to the entire uh, team and, and the culture around Clemson. What's the biggest thing that's being overlooked about this Clemson team? Well, you know, it's, I guess it's been so ripped apart and, you know, and, and analyzed. I don't know that anybody is, is really overlooking anything much for either of these teams, to be be perfectly honest with you. I guess maybe the biggest thing is that people don't realize is if I were to ask you who's had the best in college football, who's had the best offensive numbers since August since October the 1st? Do you know the answer? Well, I think you gave it away, but I would have said LSU. <laughs> it's Clemson. Clemson's had the best offensive numbers since October the 1st. Uh, so, and, and LSU is number two. So, you know, you have two of these high-powered offenses that are going at one another. So probably the most overlooked thing is probably both these defenses that are, that are coming in. Because LSU, I think defensively, they were a little banged up to start the year. They've gotten, the, you know, gotten kids back. Obviously, the, the addition now of divinity in this ball game is going to also make a mark uh, for, for LSU. So I think that probably the most overlooked, not just for Clemson, but also for LSU, is probably the defensive side of the ball. Don, what's so great about Clemson? I mean, they're, they're getting what's seemingly... What's so great about Clemson? Well, they're getting seemingly every recruit they want to get now. All kinds of kids are going <laughs> down there. Like, like I, I've never been there. I want to go, 
But what is so great about Clemson? Well, that that's part of it right there. Coach Sweeney always talks about and always tells his staff and support personnel, we all we got to do is get kids to agree to come on a visit to Clemson, and then it will sell itself. And it does that. It absolutely it does that. You, you get – and now, obviously, I think it's particularly in this day and age, kids want to go where they can win. And Clemson's winning it at a great high level, winning national championships, playing you know, now here in their, their fourth national championship game in five years. That's the secret sauce uh, right there. If, you know, it's like the old field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Well, they're coming, and they're coming in droves. <laughs> what is there about Trevor Lawrence that, that the nationalized fans and the media like don't get to see? What makes him unique? Well, I think that the biggest thing that makes and this is something I've seen from him ever since he stepped on campus, is that he never takes a step back. I mean, it's, it's incredible. He's always making a step forward. Even when he faces adversity and even when things have gone against him, there's a, there's a great line that is used within Clemson football. We're all going to fail. We're all going to face adversity and we're all going to fail. But when you fail, make sure you fail forward. Don't get knocked backwards. Use it to your advantage and fail forward. That, that's been one of the, the greatest things that I've seen from Trevor. He's always taking that step forward. And it's sometimes that step is much bigger than it is at other times. But it's always a step forward with him. That's unique. That, that, is, that is very uncommon. Uh, and that's, that is the trait that I think is probably Trevor Lawrence's biggest asset. Last one for me, Don. What happens tonight, man? Uh, you, I know you're the play-by-play guy for the Clemson Tigers, but you're also objective. Do you think that they get it done, or do you think it just happens to be LSU's year and it's too hard to win in the Superdome and too hard to win back-to-back? Well, I'll go Rocky three on you. I always use I'll go Clubber Lang on you. You know, people <laughs> ask me to predict these things. My prediction, pain. Uh, that's 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 where I like to go. You know, I no none of us know what's going to happen. I can tell you that both teams are prepared, that both teams should go out there and play well, that it's going to be, you know, a turnover, a defensive stop, you know, a big play, something, you know, is, will, will end up turning this uh, thing in, in whoever's favor. Last year, I think the pick six that happened right there at the beginning of the game that got Clemson on the board was huge for them. Um, so, and Clemson is also a team, they score first. Uh, they're, they're, I think they're 50-0. and 0. Uh, now, when they score first, just something simple as that uh, under Coach Sweeney. So um, those those would be the things that, that I kind of would look at uh, from a determination factor of Clemson is going to be victorious here tonight. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.